In the past quarter, Jerome Powell's Federal Reserve has stepped away from the global spotlight as the leader for hiking interest rates, with the last 25 bips falling behind peers across the pond at the Bank of England and the ECB. Let's talk about whether or not this morning's inflation data changes any of those comparisons. Jeff Kleintop is the Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab. Good morning, Jeff. Good to have you. Good morning. Great to be on. You know, that CPI report's like catnip for us strategists. We can't <laughs> resist talking about it. Yeah. Does it uh, change potentially how the Fed looks at their uh, process, and especially compared to uh, the last couple of months where they fell behind some of the other central banks a bit? Yeah, maybe they maybe they need to uh, to, to catch up again, I, I, and I think the rest of the world might need to continue this uh, series of rate hikes uh, that uh, we're hoping we're getting near the end of. Look, you you know the numbers for this morning. Most importantly, a hot 0.5 for the month on CPI and services continuing to climb shelter housing up 0.8%. That's a double digit year over year number. And now energy was up and apparel was up. We're no longer seeing the declines in the areas that had led CPI lower around the world. The Fed sees this as tied to a hot labor market, but it isn't just in the US. Following the hot jobs report we got, uh, in the U.S. and Canada last week, Canada saw, saw, saw 10 times the number of new jobs that economists had expected. Just this morning, we got the U.K. numbers in seven times the number of new jobs economists had predicted for the U.K. in January. And the unemployment rate in France continued to drop in Q4 when it was reported this morning. So is inflation going to allow central banks to stop and then cut rates later this year i'm not so sure about that and if they don't could be bad news for tech stocks which have recently seen a bid uh, in the last few weeks on the idea that we're going to see some rate cuts later this year but that uh, that outlook i think is fading pretty quickly with these kind of numbers so the overall uh potential for recession how does that combine with inflation jeff it's a tricky one because it seems like we had these high inflation numbers when the economy was stronger, those originally really high peak numbers. So it was kind of like inflation was an offshoot of growth, but now the inflation sticks around. And as we see in your chart, the overall uh, uh, gauge of economic strength has kind of faded too. So how do we relate inflation to recession odds? Not just here, but uh, everywhere. Yeah, well, I still think we're in kind of a lingering uh, global economic downturn. We've seen a couple quarters of negative GDP in the U.S. and the U.K. We're probably in the second negative quarter for Germany and Italy, a few others, a lot of the G7. But what we're starting to see at the margin is a slight improvement. I think the debate over the existence of a global recession might be missing the fact that there is an inflection point in global manufacturing right now. Uh, the, the service sector has, of course, seen a boom post-pandemic, but manufacturing activity had been slowing. We're now seeing that turn around. We can see it in industrial driven economies like Germany and China, really seeing a pickup in their latest surveys, the German IFO, the, the China PMI. We're also seeing it in the forward looking components like the new orders to inventories ratio. I put together that chart. You can see it's starting to hook back up again in a number of different countries around the world. This suggests that maybe production in manufacturing might start to pick up as new orders start to exceed inventory. That's coming at the same 
same time, we're seeing this hot jobs market. So I think as spring nears, we might be seeing more green shoots for the global economy. That's great for earnings, but there is a downside, and that is that it'll make less likely central banks to be able to cut rates later this year as the market currently expects. Mm. Okay, so it's a catch-22. It seems like we can't get away from that concept uh, in markets throughout this past year. Anything good comes with a string attached. Uh, now, the overall uh, global uh, supply chain picture, does it look like, uh, Jeff, the uh, disinflation that we have seen over the past five months or so is a result of supply chain wheels getting greased a little bit more around the world, things kind of uh, getting back to normal? Uh, because that would also kind of be a catch-22 where, okay, that's a good thing, but maybe that's force has already acted to bring inflation down uh, because a lot of people were counting on that as kind of being the primary uh, cause of inflation but of course it's just one right that's right and and I, I think it's a very smart statement the the we know the supply chain was a real challenge for pushing inflation higher it has helped as those those issues have been resolved I mean if you take a look at the cost to ship a, uh, a container from Shanghai to LA, the world's most popular route, it is way down. In fact, the volumes are way, way down as well. So we're just not seeing those issues. I mean, the number is actually now below uh, where it was when we started to have the supply chain problems. That's the orange line in this chart. But on the other hand, we're seeing inflationary pressures return with commodities. Energy prices have been creeping up lately. And one of the reasons you can see the blue line in this chart, that's tanker rates, the, the rate to ship oil around the world because it's on tankers for longer because it's not going to Europe from Russia anymore. It's going all the way to India or all the way to China. They're tied up for longer. And that's really pushed up transport costs for energy feeding into higher fuel costs. We saw that in the CPI report here as well. So I think we're starting to see some of the dis disinflationary effects when the supply chain are fading at the same time inflationary ones are replacing them. Hmm. Now, uh, all this uh, complicates uh, uh, anyone's goal to uh, loosen their financial conditions as uh, we know that the other central banks too besides their own are still hiking on the surface it seems like they are trying to fight inflation but then when powell doesn't put back a uh, push back on financial conditions loosening how do we factor that in i mean is that playing a role here in why inflation got a little sticky over the past month uh, the financial conditions got to the loosest in a year i mean can that reintroduce uh, inflation from a different perspective while some of these other uh, disinflationary forces on the supply chain are happening? Yeah, it almost feels like the Fed is back to their transitionary or, or uh, uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. What was the word they used? Uh, yeah, trans transitory. <laughs> transitory. Thank you. I couldn't find that word. Transitory mindset in, in, in the idea that, yeah, we can allow financial conditions to to uh, to, to be loose here. We can we can allow the, the job market to be incredibly tight. And don't worry, inflation will still come down because it's just temporary. I, it, it, we're, we're only down one-tenth of a, a percent here month over month, and I'm afraid we're not going to see inflation come down as rapidly as the Fed is expecting, and that might require some new comments from, from Fed officials. It'll be interesting to see what happens now with the Fed vice chair position with Lil Brainerd heading into the administration from the apolitical Fed. We'll have to see what happens there, and, and if, uh, you know, if we get some new leadership at the Fed that's maybe a little bit more of a different perspective on inflation. We know we've got new voters this year uh, with a, a turnover of, uh, of some 
some of the governors. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, or I should say presidents, but it's interesting to see, I think, how the Fed is going to navigate this in the months ahead, because it's not just the U.S. Fed. Inflation is, is and the labor market's very tight around the world, continuing these inflationary pressures. So, yeah, I, I think uh, the, the central banks are likely to be hiking for longer, and those hopeful, uh, optimistic uh, outlook for rate cuts later this year, I think will continue to fade. Okay. Uh, well, love that uh, inflation analysis, Jeff. While we got you, though, you know we got to talk about the other international stuff, which is the U.S.-China tension and all the things flying around and whatnot. <laughs> um, well, does any of uh, of, uh, of these events, um, U.S.-China, the kind of meetings off and on around us shooting down the balloon, do you think that factors into geopolitical risk, or is the world of investing still generally keyed in more to what's happening in Eastern Europe as the main geopolitical risk. I think I think you're right. I think uh, it's uh, it, it's probably a geopolitical risk feels like from the headlines it's picked up. Actually, using the Fed's geopolitical risk index, it's actually back down to normal. It's back at its long-term average. Almost hard okay. to believe, but you can see it here in this chart. Uh, it spikes up from time to time, but even the the, uh, the the tracking here of geopolitical risk has come all the way back down. So threats certainly flare up from time to time, but it's important to keep in mind that geopolitical risks are an ever-present part of investing. The downside of the the, uh, the recent balloon episodes is that it does create a, a few challenges here in navigating the U.S.-China relationship, which we know is so important right now to global economic growth, perhaps in inflation as well. We've got this global uh, recovery being in part supported by the return of Chinese consumer demand. But now we've got uh, Secretary Blinken's trip trying to get rescheduled since uh, China and the U.S. want to uh, tone down the rhetoric and, and, and the heat of, uh, of these tensions. But there are a number of challenges coming up. We've got uh, a number of visits by members of the House to Taiwan coming up in April. That could further inflame tensions. We've got potential executive order limiting uh, tech investments by uh, U.S. businesses in China. That could uh, further exacerbate tensions. And uh, we've got a number of things coming up, including Taiwan has an election uh, in January of next year, uh, less than a year from now. And China may be looking to influence that, uh, and, and that might raise tension. So there's a lot of things going on between the U.S.-China relationship and the balloon episode here doesn't uh, doesn't improve that. But I think the market uh, is likely to remain continued, fo continued focus on, on this inflation picture as the number one issue. Geopolitical tensions are just a, a background issue and, and one that uh, you know could, could raise questions about uh, uh, profitability, uh, banning TikTok, a number of these things for a number of tech businesses. But uh, uh, overall market is still just obsessed with the inflation situation. Okay, well, that's certainly on our mind this morning. But if the geopolitics of U.S. and China do heat back up to become a market mover, you will be our balloon correspondent, uh, Jeff Kleintop. Thanks. I'll be around that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Chief Global Investment Strategist Charles Schwab. Nice assessment here of some of the global influences on inflation.